Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 491 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, are you ready for the show today? It's a heavy show. I'm ready, but it's going to take a lot out of me. So this may be the last show I ever do, Joe. You keep saying heavy, Todd. Is there something with the gravity over at your home? Yes, yes. Everything is 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 much heavier here. At least that's what I tell myself when I get on the scale. That's right. Oh, I caught a glimpse of myself walking to the steps today. <laughs> yeah, it was a treat. No, there's nothing better than catching some of your visage in a reflective, you know, something. I, I know we've brought this up before, but uh, I don't wish this upon anyone. But sometimes I feel bad because I rely on my wife to make sure that I don't look compl- like, uh, you know how there's making your bed and then there's like making your bed just to, like to in the loosest sense of the term. Right. There's some wrinkles in it, but it's done. Right. If I could leave the house looking like that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. like I don't call that a win, but I call that, you know, acceptable or passable. Right. Four days than not, I leave the house looking like an unmade bed. Mm hmm. And it's, I, I, because I, I don't look at myself in a mirror, you know, mirror, it's not because I'm a vampire, that's for, that's for suckers. <laughs> and I leave it up to my wife, be like, I gotta tuck that corner in, pal. Oh, boy. See, at least you have that. I know I'm a horror show when I meet that first person in the morning. Uh-huh. See, this is why, see, even if you don't listen to podcasts, I think you just need to have earbuds in all the time. That puts up, like, a fantastic wall of unfriendliness. Oh, I have that yes. naturally. Man, yeah, listen, nothing wrong with two walls, right? Mm-hmm. All right, but we got a lot <laughs> of stuff to talk about. Cut the jibber-jabber, Todd. Right. So we have a bunch of exclusives uh, that are coming out. First-time creator-owned comics. Not exactly where one would expect them to show up. And I would say arguably the biggest comic story of 2020. I would agree. And how does that lead into the Rob Watch and grading on you? In in the in the ways that only we can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got convention news and a warning, I guess, on conventions as well. Uh, digital books and sales. Uh, what we read this past week, which was Wonder Twins number twelve, and the book that my I'm putting my kid through trade school, not college. I'm not that <laughs> ambitious. Trade school, Batman number eighty nine. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Todd's art attack, and of course discussions of the latest episodes of the flash and legends of tomorrow and the penultimate episode of this season of doctor who Mm -hmm. all right so lighter stuff getting it out of the way uh early on friday at the comics pro which i guess is like a more of a retailer summit sort of thing right uh it was announced that i would say two favorites of the show uh one i've kind of come on board with but you've been with for a while and tom taylor and uh, Al Ewing, writer of Immortal Hulk, have both announced that their first ever uh, creator-owned stuff is going to be at Boom Studios. 
I don't think we have dates on anything yet. Uh, but we do have here that Al Ewing's uh, book, We Only Find Them When They're Dead, with Simone DeMeo on art, will be coming out sometime this year from Boom Studios, uh, as is Tom Taylor's creator-owned book, Seven Secrets, will be coming out from Boom Studios sometime later this year. As is, don't need any more. I'm going to pick up both those books. Right. Um, you know, there was a lot of other stuff from Boom. Uh, at Boom went all in, pun intended, at Comics Pro this past week. Um, you know, we're not going to get too far into it, but their editors and so forth are, you know, kind of saying like, hey, man, like, you got to earn that shelf space. You know, you don't get to just be on a comic rack or in a comic store just because you get ordered all the time. Like, you know, we want that shelf space. We right. want that spot on the rack over you. And if we're going to have to fight and claw and scrape and get these big name guys who do stuff at DC, who do stuff at other publishers and get their first creator own stuff here, as opposed to image or dark horse or, you know, whomever else in the marketplace these days, like, you know, you got to make big moves to make big things happen. That's right. It's, it's a privilege, not a right to have that shelf space on the racks. Mm-hmm. And like I said, those are two books that went right on the handy dandy spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like they just have they're under boom. They're under, you know, the, the, the titles of the books, question marks next to them. Whenever it is that they come out is whenever it is that they come out. I agree. Uh, another thing that was announced with a little bit more certainty, I guess, uh, is that they're doing an IDW DC crossover, which is interesting. Um, you know, they've done some stuff in the past, primarily the Batman uh, Ninja Turtles books. Right. But now they are doing a crossover with the Sandman Universe books and Lock and Key, mm -hmm. written by Joe Hill and uh, art by Gabriel Rodriguez, coming out in October. Um, yeah, this is, this is another big move. Uh, Lock and Key, I guess, is a Netflix show. I haven't gotten a chance to see it. It's just, you know, kind of out of my wheelhouse. But Sandman is Sandman. Uh, I agree. And I'm, uh, I want to read Lock and Key before I watch it because I've talked to a bunch of people like who have the same tastes as me. Like I trust their opinions and they're like, Oh, I really loved Lock and Key. And I was like, oh, I need to get around to this. And then they watch it and they're like, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Read the book. And like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. The book is better, but I'm like, I want to try it. And I'm really into this. And obviously I'm a Sandman guy. So I, I kind of want to get that back run, which I hear now with the TV show, you cannot find Lock and Key books in like the mass market and even like joe hill was on twitter the other day like if you're looking go to comic shops because there's a ton of them there you know what i mean because that's where we we were pushed before the tv show and like our local retail has a bunch of lock and key stuff and you won't get it for months in these bookstores that they're talking and uh do you know who J joe hill's the son of joe yeah uh stephen king all right i just didn't know because i know a few people who are like oh it's when you tell them they're like really and i'm like yeah it's stephen king's he just didn't want to go under the king non de plume so he could you know get his do it himself if you will he should have went under the name like he was like richard bachman's kid or something right wasn't that uh stephen king's other name yes that's what i thought yeah no, you know, I got some, uh, you know, we're both fellow fans of the Spectrox, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well what was the movie that, that uh, he made, The Father? 
Uh, Maximum Overdrive. Oh, so good. Greatest uh-huh. soundtrack ever, by the way. Let's not go crazy, huh? Right, right. <laughs> uh okay so um yeah so uh, another thing of course is you know if this is getting like the official sandman crossover that means neil gaiman must be okay with this right uh so that's good at least that gives it that sort of seal of of approval that it's just not something that's like yeah we're just gonna slap the sandman name on this it's good to see that uh, uh sandman is one of the few things that still has uh you know some prestige to it i guess Hey, when you have the clout of that longtime black label line, you just oh. don't let anybody in, Joe. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, also, I guess, over at Comics Pro, uh, DC made several announcements, but one of them is that DC Direct, which was kind of their direct market collectible line, which I didn't know didn't like I didn't know went away, but apparently went away. Um, and it's back now under uh, the name DC Collectibles, which I think is more direct as to what it is, pun intended. I thought it was the other way, wasn't it? DC Collectibles oh, is that's returning? Right. DC Collectibles is going back to DC Direct. Right. And I remember it like it was yesterday when I found out that they changed the name from DC Direct to DC Collectibles. And do you know why? Because it was yesterday. I, to this day, still use... I don't know when DC Direct was changed to DC Collectibles. I have no... Like, if it was years, whatever. I still, and uh, Josh and me, go to New York Comic Con. We still talk... We still call it DC Direct. Josh has a guy he knows. He's there. He's like, oh, like, he works for DC Collectibles. He's like, we're looking for, for items to have, like, the Flash ring that we made and this. And we're like, you know what DC Direct would should put out? And it was called DC Collectibles for years. And I just, I find it funny that they put out a press release to tell me they're changing it back to a name that I never knew they changed it from. And everybody I talk to still calls it DC Direct. So... I don't know. I just think that's hysterical, and I'm going to still call it DC Direct. Yeah, and I, I, I had it confused as well, because I'm like, why are they making this as an announcement? Are they not calling it DC Direct anymore? Mm-hmm. It never. It wasn't. It was collectibles for years, apparently. I never even noticed it in the previews. It uh-huh. was DC Direct in my mind. <sighs> that's better than having the Judas in your mind, I guess. Yeah, the Judas contract in my mind. Uh, so... I guess it's time for the big news. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Dan DiDio is out as head muckety-muck at DC Comics. After 17 years of working there. Well, and see, that's the thing. He's still working there. True. He's, you know, he's still finishing up that Metal Men book that he's doing. Um, I think issue six comes out this month. Mm-hmm. And I guess Shane Davis, who's the artist on it, said that they're working on it till to issue twelve. Uh, Shane da- Davis uh, over the weekend was like, had a good talk with Dan today. Uh, Metal Metal finish up with issue twelve as planned. Already working on issue nine. Right. I so wonder, he's I still wonder, gonna be writing comics. He's just not gonna be the publisher of DC Comics. 
Right. And I just want to say on that metal man, I wonder if it would have got the inferior five treatment mm. if they could have ended it with six, but the story's done and in the canon at the printers. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But so I this is huge news, I would say. Right. Okay. I have a weird take on this that I think it's shocking the way it went down. But I don't, I'm not shocked that he's gone just because regardless, 17 years of controlling a, the, the direction of all stories at a comic company, a change of blood is eventual, but like the way the story is starting to play out or what we hear the rumors allegedly was like that he was literally on like the DC retailer Facebook page discussing stuff with retailers in the morning. And then in the afternoon, he was being handed his hat and sent out the door. Yeah. Like to me, regardless of if you think he buried that company, you do not do someone dirty like that. And and do it the way it was. Like you have him stepped out. Like whatever. Like you know all the things. Like we've seen it over the years. I think a lot of like like uh, Levitt's being taken away from the collection part of like putting together hardcovers and soft covers and stuff. He stepped down and walked away. Like this just seems like brutal. I don't know like what could have happened to make it come this fast. The guillotine come this fast, this hard. Okay. So we know very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to any and all of this, other than the fact that Dan is gone. Now, that's the other thing is, there has been no official announcement um, from DC, Warner Brothers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that Dan DiDio is no longer there. Like, everyone's talking about it. Dan himself is talking about it. Right. Um, You know, he posted on Facebook, uh, overwhelmed and humbled by the outpouring of love and support, and it leaves me at a loss for words. First time for everything. Words. Uh, and he says, um, so oh, I will turn to uh, what I said nearly five years ago on April 10th, 2015, to sum up how I feel. Love to all of you. And then he posted a video, um, you know, of, you know, the, the day that they moved the staff from New York out to uh, L.A., right? Right. Okay. So... I get what you're saying is, of course, like he was, you know, answering retailers on the Facebook page Friday morning and then Friday afternoon he was gone. And in a lot of the reports that are coming out. okay, so moving back, moving back, moving back. No official word has come out. Uh, He and Jim Lee were co-publishers. Right. Uh, Dan had moved up to the ranks. You had said 17 years, again, 19 years or uh, 18 years, whatever. Uh, he went from vice president editorial to vice president uh, executive editor to DC. Then for the last 10 years, almost to the day of his firing, allegedly, he was named as co-publisher with Jim Lee, right? Mm-hmm. So is Jim Lee now the sole publisher? Is someone going to be taking this place? None of these things have been announced. Just on that, I would say, as of right now, if they haven't announced, Jim Lee is the sole publisher until they appoint someone okay that would be my logic for the last 10 years it's been a two-man job is jim lee going to be able to handle this as a one-man job i don't know like i have no facts to back this up but i feel he's i feel like he's been the art side more 
then like his job is to be like art director, like find new talent, put choose the people for the books with the writers. But I don't see, I don't know why, and I've never equated Jim Lee to ever steering the company. Right, I agree. But so, so from there, um, you know, there was a lot of talk in regards to, and this was a quote that was coming out in a lot of the reports. And again, this all reports. You know, we're all talking as though Dan is gone because Dan is talking as though Dan is gone, but Warner is not talking as though Warner and DC are not talking as though Dan is gone. If this, you know, whatever, um, makes sense. Okay. Um, the quote that was going on was that Dan was fostering a poor work environment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we have heard stories of Dan being a bit bristly micromanaging and changing, you know, work on a dime, you know, a little ADD, if you will. Sure. Um, but he definitely had a creative vision of what he wanted to do. And that vision may have been all over the place, but at least it was a vision. And a lot of this comes from the thing that we've been talking about here on the show since it was teased at New York Comic Con back in October, which is 5G. That this is something that Dan was spearheading. And from what I understand, even without Dan, the Dio there is still happening. Right. Um, because it was something that got pitched by Dan, and then the higher-ups loved it. The Warner Brothers people loved it. Mm -hmm. And there were stories of your bigger name creators, your, you know, uh, Tom King's, your Brian Michael Bendis's, your Scott Snyder's purposely attempting to set their books up in place so that they could tell the stories they want before 5G came in and messed up whatever they were trying to do in their books. Right. But you wouldn't know that there was this bad work environment or uh, the, quote, fostering a poor work environment because a majority of the people talking online talked of good experiences about Dan. Right. And I think a lot of them have because a lot of these people were the people that Dan got in the door at D.C. over the 10 years or so controlling the, you know, the the, the vibe of the country or the country, the, the, the company. Um so they're they're in good, but I I know people like literally I'm not going to mention any creators by name who like when the news came down, like uh, like it's it's they were putting up gifts and stuff like that quietly because obviously you don't want to rock the boat too much. But like I I could tell the ones that didn't like him. Um. So and like I said, I've heard from a couple of creators that that he was he was rough to work with. So I don't know if you, if you got your start, you're going to be loyal, and nobody who's working for a company is going to bury somebody as they walk out the door if you're still working for the company you want everything to be smooth so i'll take that yes a lot of these people are honest but i don't know if all of them are honest i'll just put it that way mm -hmm. so before we move on to some of that other stuff um five 5g still going forward um if you would um believe you know, the rumors that are out there, the line is that it's not going to be a summer event, that it's going to be closer to the end of the year, uh, last quarter of 2020. And it certainly seems like they're attempting to have it be a little bit more synergistic with the TV shows. Mm -hmm. Younger folks in the TV show, you know, teens and 20s, 
on the TV show, so teens and 20s in the comic books. Right. It makes sense. You know, we, we talked before um, when Marvel did Marvel Now all those years ago that when the movies were at, you know, I would say arguably like the strongest they were. And if you went to go get a Captain America or a Thor or an Iron Man comic, it weren't the ones that were in the movies. It was new ones. It was different ones. So, you know, people complained and Marvel changed things real quick back to the, you know. They they rolled the dice and very quickly kind of attempted to course correct. But it doesn't seem like this is something that DC is looking to course correct because if they were, with Dan being gone, you would think that 5G would be gone. Mm-hmm. I think, now on this, I think a lot of what, how, the demise of, and I use that, you know, uh, dramatically, the demise of DC over the years. They made a lot of mistakes. Now I'm starting to wonder how much is Dan Didio? And how much is the upper-ups telling him what to do to? Because if this 5G is going to continue, it is, you know, the uh, the upper-ups over Dan, they want it. So, you know, I do believe they would have scrapped it if they were, if they thought it was bad. So I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around here and I, I just don't know what's what anymore. And I think the whole, I, I still think the whole idea of like gearing it, you know, with youngers and twenties and stuff like that and teen heroes is bad because I look at Marvel's movies and having a 40-year-old actor play Iron Man, and he's the biggest superhero that's ever been in the world, and literally Chris Evans was over 30 when he took over Captain America. You don't need kids or or young uh, adults to play these heroes. You just need good stories, and that's uh, that's my take on the 5G. I'm all over the place, but anyway. Well, again, there's a lot that falls out of this, right. you know? Definitely. Um, so couple questions of course i feel as though we'll probably get something at c2e2 as to what's going on with this right right because dan was was gonna head a bunch of panels at at c2e2 this week Mm -hmm. i don't know if you knew that so i'm like i wonder who's gonna be taking control of that stuff is it gonna be jim right so maybe so but definitely we probably will we'd have to get some news i think this happened because c2e2 is this week and it needed to be done before you know the first wave of uh of cons and big and news coming out at the big cons right and another question i have is um is dan done in comics does he go somewhere else if he wanted to he probably could I mean, every everybody who's ever had their job, you know, taken away or moved has gone on to something else. I mean, if he was elderly, like some of the the guys in the regime, that like a Paul Levitz who had gotten bounced, um, uh, but like Diane Nelson or stuff like that, she was still you know in her prime doing so. She went to another company. That I mean, she walked away. I think, but uh, I look at it as if he wanted to. He's only he's only fifty. Like four or five or something like that. He's not 60 yet. If he wants to go work, he could, he could work at a company somewhere. I, I believe somebody pick him up. What do you think? I think so too. Um, if he wants to work, he'll work. Right. You know, um, maybe he's like, yeah, I've devoted the last 18, 19 years of my life to this nonsense. I think I'm done for a while. You know, I need a break. Right. It also depends on, you know, how much of a trust fund he has after the fall, you know, mm-hmm. because some That's people true. need to work. I mean, 
You know, he might have he might have a huge mortgage. We don't know. <laughs> and, and I'll say this, um, you know, as much as we are talking about this and have poked fun at him in the past, I like Dan DiDio. I, I think, you know, um, you know, a couple times that we went to conventions and he was, you know, on a panel, talking on a panel or whatever it was, he always seemed like an affable fella. A likable guy, someone who liked comic books. And you know what I always say to that? Ed Wood was an affable guy who loved movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that always doesn't make the grade. But I will say he he did have a lot of hits. He greenlit Jimmy Palmiotti said the other day, he greenlit that Jonah Hex run, which is one of my favorite runs of all times. So I give him that, and he's had a lot of good ideas. But I think he had a lot of bad ideas like towards the end. And so like, you know, that happens, but uh, I have to say every time I also too, every time I met him, he was more than nice. He totally forgave me for drunkenly spilling a drink all over him at DC (laughs) years ago on Twitter. He was like, this was before he got rid of his Twitter handle. He was like, no problem, buddy. We're all good. And I'm like, fantastic. Um, Nice guy. So I have nothing to say about, his personality i do have to say about like the the way the company went in the last couple of years i do think it was time for a change and i'm fine with it like i said i just think it's really bad to do what they did the way they're doing it even not even mentioning anything yeah i think if we were even to go to like dc's website right now and if you look under there, I don't even know if, if somewhere on there they have, like, the editorial staff or anything like that. I don't even think they have an update there. If that makes any sense. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully not too, too much dead air here. That's okay. Just as long as you have the little blue line vibrating up and down, we're all good. So he is still on their website. He hasn't been scrubbed from there like many other people um, have been in the past. And he's still he's listed on there as writer and backup writer on stuff. Right. Mm hmm. Did you see the picture he posted of him at a Comic-Con holding his sign that they would put at the DC booth to sign? You know how, like, they'll have, like, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and they'd have a picture of, like, his Batman or his Superman or whatever? One of his friends gave him, and this cracked me up, Joe, gave him a picture of Dan Didio, writer of of soon-to-be canceled comic. And it had like a like a ah shucks picture of Dan Didio on it, mm-hmm. and he was just holding it like laughing. I'm like, that that's funny to me. So now I will say this over on uh you know same DC website you know where I mentioned before it says Dan is credited as writer and backup writer and there's nothing else right. Mm-hmm. You go over to Jim Lee and there's a big giant long like one two three four five six-paragraph write-up underneath Jim Lee. Right. And right in it, it says Jim Lee, world-renowned comic book writer, artist, editor, publisher, uh, currently the co-publisher of DC Entertainment alongside Dan DiDio. Get that CO and maybe that, uh, you know, hyphen out of there. 
Uh-huh. And Dan has nothing. Like Dan, like Dan has no write-up. It just says credit as writer, backup writer, blank space, and then all the stuff that he wrote. You know how we said DC has said nothing about Dan Didio? I think that blank space says everything. Uh-huh. So uh, speaking of people that say say anything and everything, we talked about all the people uh, that had positive things to say about Dan Didio on his exit. Of course, Todd, there would be one person. Oh. One person who would have something untoward to say about sweet Dan Didio. Mm-hmm. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now. The Rob Watch. And of course, it would be the Rob. And it is the Rob Watch here. As early in the day on Friday, the Rob took to his Twitter, which is still not locked or protected. <laughs> Any day now. Any day now. Uh, cra- talking about the crazy rumors. Then Boom. I don't know if that's him doing a book for Boom. Didio uh, out. Uh, Didio is holding DC back for years. This is the best outcome. This is long overdue. So much damage. So many bad decisions. Horrible management for years. And then Rob starts accusing Twitter people of being Dan uh, 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 Sacco accounts. Sure, sure. Uh, Then he says, I'm buying the least amount of DC comics in my life. At least 50% of the reason is the way Dan reshaped them. Awful. So glad he's been removed. I speak as a consumer first. I'm an established comic book veteran of 34 years. I barely interact with DC comics and could buy every book if I choose to. Honestly, maybe it was Marvel beating them regularly by 15% that finally did the trick. For Warner, AT&T, and showed Dan the door. Your competitor is literally leaving you the dust and massively overpaying for underperforming talent. Wow. That's that's taking the legs out of just a bunch of creators, too. Yeah. Like, Listen, I mean, if you, if you have a beef with Didio, that's Didio. But leave, leave like, you know, the, the working man out of it. Rob swings with a wide brush, my friend. Oh. <laughs> Oh, he's going for the fences. Rob doesn't take gentle brush strokes. He's swinging wide and swinging big, you know? That's right. It's it's like his art style. (laughs) And listen, hey, uh, that's not all the Rob did this week. There's more? Of course there's more, because also on Twitter, uh, as a follow-up from last week going over into the Grading on You segment, Rob had this tweet. Got off a call with CGC. They called me because apparently... There has been some fervor over my decision to not participate with their new Deadpool label. In short, I let them know I am no longer working with CGC in any capacity, and we are good. Wow. What comes first, Todd? The Rob working with CGC, or the Rob uh, putting his Twitter profile on lock? Ooh, I'm going to say... That is a good over on. Oh my god! If I was a betting man, I would say putting his Twitter on lock because I think there is going to be uh, a uh, a TRCG coming, and it's going to be the Rob grading system. I'm down and with that, he, and he's going to 
he's going to do a signature series of his own stuff and do a label and it's going to have the Liefeld, the extra, the extra expensive Liefeld signature on it. Oh, I think he's, I think he's going down the road of he's, he's opening business for himself, Joe. The Rob is a bit, uh, the Rob is a, the business onto the himself. Right. When did the Rob become the business? 34 years ago. Oh. So, uh, hey, there's conventions this weekend, Todd, after all of that, huh? Oh, there is? There is. Uh, so, uh, C2E2 is happening this weekend. It is it? Yes. Mm. So, <laughs> I know you're saying this, but let me run through everything else, okay? Right, I know, I'm just tweaking you, go ahead. So, C2E2 doesn't need us to run through the list. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on at C2E2. But there are a ton of other conventions going on this weekend. Like, is this showing me and you, the comic book reading person, podcast listening person, that C2E2 might not be as big as it used to be? No. Because usually it's... when the big guns come to town, everybody else is like, you'll get like one or two. But there's like four other big conventions happening this weekend alongside C2E2. Right, but I'm looking over these cons and it's a lot of like, isn't it a lot of like entertainment people where like I think we're going to get news from C2E2 so it stands the test, you know? Sure, sure. We're going to get news, okay. Um, But just, you know, kind of running through the list. Lubbock Comic Con in Lubbock, Texas. Freddie Williams is going to be there who's the regular artist on those Batman Ninja Turtle things we had talked about before. Pensacola Con in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, You know, that's more of a, you know, more of a media thing, but Scott Collins is going to be there. Uh, you know, we got Weird Al Yankovic's going to be there, wrestling folks like DDP and uh, Booker T and the Miami Rump Shaker himself, Gangrel, parentheses, myself, uh, is going to be there. Fayetteville Comic Con in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, you know, they got some of the older folks there. And again, I say older folks. Your Jim Shooters, your Brett Breedings, uh, Michael Golden, Graham Nolan, John Beattie, people like that. But then Galaxy Comic Con in Richmond is humongous. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's tons of media people there. Tons of media people there. But Eric Stevenson's going to be there from Image Comics. Jeff Lemire is going to be there. Um, Peter Tomasi's going to be there. Tom Grummet's going to be there. Like, big name people are going to be at Galaxy Con. Right. But it's also not like it's. I mean, we like New York will have decent sized cons when it's going on in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to keep an eye on like, all right, this is C2E2. What else is going on at the same time? How many creators are there? When we get Baltimore, when we get New York, when we get, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, see what's going on around the country at the same time. And that's the, that's the measuring stick to see how well C2E2 is doing. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But. So I, I do want to mention, and again, I'm not going to go through the whole list of everyone that's at C2E2, but I am going to go over what is going on at uh, GalaxyCon, right. which is Fantasy Super Cosplay Wrestling. Oh, boy. Where, where actual wrestlers, sports entertainers, are dressing up as your favorite cosplay types and putting on wrestling events. And it's... Spider-Man to Skeletor to Kratos from something? What is Kratos from? I don't know what Kratos is from. 
Uh, Kratos is from a video game, God of War. Is that a thing? That is a thing. Yeah, but I, I, I know of the game and I've seen the characters. I couldn't tell you which one was Kratos. I guess he's the main one. Uh huh. And then you know, then they have like folks that are doing like Wreck It Ralph and Yukon Cornelius and Casey Jones and so on and so forth. And the thing that I like about this is that it's actual good independent wrestlers doing this now are the costumes good that's what really costumes are good the people doing this are good um my friend chris is involved in this my friend jake is involved in this um i know a lot of people that are involved in this and they tell me it does very well because you know you get to see you know these characters intermingling you know I hope Orange Cassidy is going to be there doing Cassidy from Preacher. You wouldn't have to change his costume much. Orange Cassidy will not be there because over at C2E2 <laughs> that same weekend there is a uh, AEW pay-per-view that Sunday or that Saturday, I think. And the uh, the Galaxy or the – I just had it right in, right in front of me here. The Fantasy Super Cosplay Wrestling uh, is going on all weekend mm-hmm. at that convention. And like I said, it's a lot of good people involved. I know they're doing something different and interesting. Um, you know, if you're in the greater Virginia area, go check out GalaxyCon. That's all. C2E2 doesn't need us putting them over. That's right. They have Phil, so they don't need anybody else. Right. And I also just want to throw out here as well at, uh, at GalaxyCon, Todd. Mm-hmm. Ryan O'Halloran, Jason Muse, and Jeff Anderson, not Alperson, are going to be there. <laughs> right. So if there was ever going to be a weekend for us to set up our table as the uh, Navy SEALs guy, this is the weekend. That is the that is the chance to do our opportunity there. That's right. And last but not least, I want to mention, um, <laughs> a lot of people are canceling, and... I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot less folks going on the international conventions. You know, we always sit here and say, oh boy, going to a convention in Italy, or going to a convention here, or going to a convention there. Uh, you would be surprised uh, how the coronavirus popping up in China and Italy is delaying a lot of people's international travel. Right, and it's not even so much fear, like fear of getting the disease, it's because a lot of them, like I saw somebody put out that, like, they're worried that all of a sudden, if you're in another country doing this con, and all of a sudden, because there's an, there's an outbreak in the country, and that there's an outbreak in the country you're in, and then all of a sudden there's a travel ban, you're stuck out of, out of where, you know, with, with no way to get home. Yep. So I understand that scare over actually catching the virus. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I mean, it's a legitimate reason as far as I'm concerned. So again, just double check if you are attending any cons, either in the country or expecting uh, your favorite international talent uh, to come through. You know, double check, make sure, uh, you know, everyone's safe and healthy and so forth. That way you're not lugging that wheelie cart full of comics for him to sign if you're one of those guys. Sure. And like I said, the links to all these will be in the show notes, of course. Along with uh, all the links to soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, 
where all the shows in the network, whenever they come out or whenever they appear on other shows, and as long as they let me know, uh, we'll put them all up in one handy-dandy site. If you were like me and hate RSS feeds, pod, <laughs> or I love RSS feeds, but hate podcatchers and don't trust Big Apple and Big Stitcher, and there's like so many <laughs> things. And listen, we're on all those things, but I don't trust them. The only thing I trust is a direct link to an RSS feed. And the only thing better than that is soon to be named network.com or soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Why do you hate New York? You hate, the big a- a- you hate the Big Apple? Not the Big Apple. I oh, hate Big Apple. Yeah. A Big Apple. Got it. So whether it be episodes of this show, uh, episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wednesday Night War, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, any and all of these shows, whenever they come out, you subscribe to them, you want a one-stop catch-all for everything, that's what soon-to-be-named-network.com is for. Right. Digital sales and freebies, Todd, we've got a bunch, uh, a couple of the holdovers, as mentioned, Image is having a sale on their sci-fi-related books, Dynamite is having a sale on Vampirella-related things. Uh, DC is having a new sale on Flash-related stuff. Is something going on with Flash this week, Todd? I think in the next week we're getting we're close to that seven fifty. So I think they're they're you know running the sale to prepare for it. Gotcha. Marvel has two different sales going on. One is the books of Jerry Dugan. Uh, the other is Falcon and Winter Soldier-related stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the freebies from last week are still the freebies of this week. They have not flipped them over yet on me. Are you sure? Did you check? I did just check as we're speaking. Good, because I know you do. So let's get into what we read from this past week. And I assume we would start with the book that we were both most looking forward to coming out this week, which was Wonder Twins number 12, written by Mark Russell with art by Stephen Byrne. Yes. Um, this is the the end of the storyline where the ramifications of Zan and Jaina helping their friends who, like you know, were ha- trying to take over the world with the scam- scrambler and get her father back. Um, this is what happens, you know, like the superheroes find out about it and they have to think about what they're going to do with it. While the whole time, uh, Sylvia, our cell phone, Sylvia wants her cell phone back. So Lex Luthor lends her some villains and the ringmaster and the supervisor, whose powers are excellent management skills, um, go after Zan and Jane to get the phone back. And the series of events happen. And what happens with uh, the the decision the Justice League makes, which to me can make, you know, opens the door for future possible stories if they ever want to do a, you know, a mini or a, an ongoing of Wonder Twins or weave it into uh, Young Justice where those characters appear. Right. Um, I'm sad to see this book go. I am too. And there's nothing on the slate for it. You know, I read the exit interview uh, by Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne, and it's just kind of like, yeah, we hope to work on these characters sometime in the future. Got no uh, timetable or plan, but, you know, we'll see it. Uh, I do like that it gives them a new status quo. Um, You know, something to be doing, as you mentioned, maybe keeps them on their own, maybe ties them into Young Justice. I'm okay keeping them separate. Uh, Wonder Twins, I think, are different, special, unique enough that they could stand on their own. 
last time that they tried to work the Wonder Twins in, wasn't it during, was it the tail end of Jeff Johns, or was it into Tony Bedard's run on Teen Titans? Right, with Count, was it around Countdown, when they got murdered? Yeah. That was not, that was not good. That was definitely non-preferred. Mm-hmm. So I, I I worry, I get concerned if they, the Wonder Twins, especially this iteration of the Wonder Twins, start popping up in other stuff. Um, I'm okay with these being characters that only Mark Russell writes. I'm with that, unless Mark Russell comes around to do Young Justice and, and Bendis goes off and does other things. You know, like, so it could it could work. But uh, I just have one question. On the cover, it's like a it's like a yearbook, and they have, like, see you soon, hugs and kisses, Anna and Jaina, and then K-I-T. Um, do you know what K-I-T means? I'm, I'm old, so I can't figure it out. No, I don't know. I just figured it's like knife in thigh or something like that. I have no idea. And that's how I know I'm old is when there's all that like like anagram stuff for like texting and I'm like, oh, oh maybe Joe will know. Touch, maybe? Oh, it's probably it's probably not knife in thigh. It's probably keep in touch. Yeah, I don't think it's knife in thigh. Right. I'm just saying I don't know. I'm I'm old and I look to you as the younger person on this podcast to keep in touch with the hip stuff. So, yeah, if this is something you missed out on um, when this gets traded and hopefully actually comes out, check it out. I think you'll really enjoy uh, Wonder Twins. A nice collection, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we've said this on the show many times. I would say arguably the best uh, Superman's been written in quite some time. As I always say, I agree. Yep. And uh, the other book uh, we have no choice but to discuss, I think, is uh, Batman number 89. Uh, according to DC's site, website written by no one. Okay. But we know it's written by James Tinney IV with uh, art by Gilliam March. Uh, this is the big one, Todd. Yep. This is uh, the middle of an ongoing story that's going on over in Batman 89 where there was a pact. There was something that was put together between your big dog villains, your penguin, your joker, your riddler, your catwoman. But oh, Catwoman's a goodie now. What are we going to do, right? Oh, no. Right. And she's been keeping secrets from Batman, just like Batman continually keeps secrets from her, trying to drive a wedge between those from a creative standpoint, of course. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people are very happy about that. Right. Uh, Riddler, Riddler, of course, gets his 98th makeover in as many years uh, in this run of books. But we are introduced to not only one, but two brand new characters in this. Uh, one who kind of looks like, I forget his name, but he looks like Deadshot with like a puffy collar. Right, that's uh, the designer? The designer, sure. And uh, the breakout hit character of 2020, the one that they'll be making movies about and sailing ships and singing songs about, Joker's daughter. I, I mean, punchline, punchline. That's right. What I meant. It's Joker's daughter done right, Joe. Don't you Did know, anyone don't... actually say that? Please, please don't tell me somebody actually said that into a, a microphone or into a Twitter or into a something. Uh, I think Josh said it. So, but because uh, I was like, real, oh. like hopefully in jest, right? Yes. Well, yes, of course, because he's a he's a Harley guy and he's like old school Harley guy. Like he does, he's not a big fan of the Jimmy Palmiotti run and stuff like that. But uh, okay, I, wait. So let me say this. Um, I liked the redesign. In Harley's own book. It's fine. It's not my favorite. But in her own little universe. Her own little bubble. It worked. 
But seeing that Harley pop up here feels wrong. Like literally coming to put to kill the Joker. I don't yeah. know. It just feels wrong in Batman. I don't know. Yeah. Like we'll never see in regular continuity that old Harley Quinn look design ever again. That's dead. I don't know. I I, I have a take on that because um there was that white knight or that that uh that the first uh was it that wasn't white knight but it was the 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 the, the sean gordon murphy batman where they ended up making which was a genius story and i think this is going to come into play sometime down the line where the first harley quinn who's the one we know and love left because she was tired of being beaten up and and taking the the, the you know the, being just never joker was never going to love her so she left so the harley quinn that he replaced her with became the harley quinn that we know from the video games and the 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 scantily clad outfits and everything and she ended up becoming neo joker and i do think they will like because it was such a good idea and people love it they will weave that in to regular continuity at some time because that's like an alt- alternate you know reality story or whatever so i do think we will see the original uh harley at some point interesting theory i still don't like i i think the ship has sailed on that design like you'll see it pop up in merchandise and stuff but never in a tv show never in a movie never in the comics like in the main continuity of the comics you know what i mean okay yeah either way but at least we got a silhouette and a jawline of punchline in this Mm. so well this is okay so from a marketing standpoint this is how you get people to buy two first appearances what a cameo in the first full-on appearance yes what? But you know, what do you think is going to be worth more money? The the cameo appearance or Batman 89? Well, Todd, I won't know until I get them both and get them both slabbed and hope they're both at least 9.6 and then I'll really know what my comic is worth. Ah, uh, but I know for a fact the second appearance is like which is that villain uh miniseries which is issue 3 and literally I know the number I don't know the exact numbers on how many Batman's are retailer ordered, but I have a good idea because it's probably his best, his best or close to his best selling title. But I literally know how many he ordered of uh, the miniseries that's going to have the issue that's going to have the full on first appearance of Punchline. And I was told it's they only ordered anybody who had it on their pull list. We didn't order many extra because it was one and two wasn't selling. And that's why DC slid it into three. So that book could blow up and then that'll be reprinted and it'll make it worth their time. Oh boy. And this is how far into the run into Tinian's new run. Yeah. How far this is this into Tinian's run? It's gotta be only three or four issues. Because this is a good way to du- like to get people to buy both trades as well, you know? Right. So are, did you keep your copy in mint on mint on mint in your bag and board? No, it's yeah, it's only three issues in four. It'll be the next one that comes out. No, Todd, I did not. I actually read it in the car down to the uh, Lego Discovery thing. Oh, my so I probably, gosh. I, I probably spilled coffee on the page. Oh. Specifically, I know. Oh my God! When when comic shops have signs that they don't have any, and you have to know a guy who knows a guy who knows a gal to get one. I am st- I, so 
to bring things somewhat full circle, for Rob, for the Rob to say all these horrible things about Dan DiDio and for poor Dan DiDio to lose his job unofficially, nothing officially has been said so far. <laughs> right. For DC to be able to create this sort of buzz out of a silhouette and a jawline. And yes, it's Joker's daughter too, but better or whatever, right? Right. They know their market, man. I'm just hoping for that uh, Joker's cousin twice removed storyline that I want to see. Oh my goodness! And, and and listen, we're we're making a lot of jokes. This, this run is good. It's very different than the Tom King stuff that has come before. This is, you know, I would say, and this is maybe damning it with faint praise, or maybe you know, setting you right up for it. This is as close to Hush as anything's been in the main Batman line since Hush. Okay. Because we're three issues in, and, like, you've got, like, every big villain in this. Hopefully they'll get the right ending on this. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But you get what I'm saying is, like... No, it's... Right, I got you. If you like that feel, it's got... It's got... He's gonna run the gauntlet of all the the villains, so you're gonna... Right. you're, You're gonna at least get one that you like. And we're introducing a new villain, like they did in Hush with introducing Hush... You know, I don't think you're going to see Superman popping up in this, but who knows? I might be wrong there. Um, but yeah, so this is, you know, it's it's all Batman's villains, you know? And right. don't go spend crazy money on these books. You know, if you can't get it for three or four bucks, it's okay. You can get the digital edition, and it reads the same way. But you can't turn the pages with your hand the way you can. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I'm with you. I think it's all, you know, I think there's certain companies that push, you know, collectability. And uh, I'm just glad I got a copy because I enjoy the book. Yeah, it was good. I, it's it's uh, it's uh, a nice change of pace from what we've gotten out of Tom King's run on this book, for better or for worse. You know, some people liked it more than others, especially toward the end. I was okay with it. I'm still excited to see when the Batman Catwoman wrap-up stuff comes out. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you're just looking for, like, a straightforward Batman adventure, this is good. Just don't pay exorbitant prices for this. And uh, if you're slabbing this today, you'll be slabbing yourself tomorrow. That's right. And just, and hopefully, well, not hopefully, there will be a second print. Go pick that up. Yeah. Uh, The way things work these days is sometimes those second and third prints end up just being, what was the weird, like, Hulk book? That we that talked was, about a couple months ago, or like I, maybe like a year ago, or something. That was the rare third print of like I think it was Professor Hulk. Mm-hmm. So that was already like I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it was like that was the weird because it was a popular book at the time, and then it was like okay, we did a first print, we did a second print, we did a third print just to, but the 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 the, the amount of the third print was really low, but they did it to to fill you know people who wanted it. But then that was the first appearance of Professor Hulk, which was in the Avengers movie recently. So that blew up, and not it was like a slightly expensive book. But I don't know if you know, movies make everything different. Joe makes a, my comics worth money. So it was the third print of the Hulk. That's why. Yeah. So maybe you know, maybe get like second and third and fourth and fifth prints of Batman eighty nine, and maybe one of them will be worth. Hundreds of thousands of dollars 20 years from now. That's right. You could send your kid to clown college mm-hmm. or trade school, whatever you want. Yeah. I think I think if you're speculating on Joker comics, 
You should be only allowed to use the money for Joker things. <laughs> Does Juggalos count as Joker stuff? Uh, they're, I'd say Juggalos are Joker adjacent. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about people that like, you know, right. social media memes of images from the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie with things that were not said in the Joker movie. Right. You're pushing your agenda with a Joker picture. Right. Like, look at this cool picture, and here's a thing that does not line up with whatever the creative people behind this picture intended. You don't know. Well, I I have a feeling I might be right on some of them. Okay. Um, So that's what we read from this past week. Let's uh, move on to what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I every year attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. Uh, Let's see how we could change things up here. Um, Looking at your list, I know you're a sucker for Amethyst, but I don't know if that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am going to take a shot and say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Quantum and Woody number two. It is not. <gasps> it oh is Suic- Suicide Squad number three. Okay, I now okay. I liked Suicide Squad two just fine. Um, I don't recall if there was some sort of big to do that left me in a cliffhangery thing, but I'll take your word for it. Yep, it was the whole thing where they went in to save the person, and then that other version of the team killed their the the operative that they were going to save, and she was like, because they were on mic, she was like, shh. We have a plan. And I'm like, okay, like I'm interested. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, is the book you're looking forward to most quantum and Woody number two? It is quantum and Woody number two. And uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed the first issue. I liked a lot of the stuff that got set up there by Chris Hastings. And uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to this. And as I look at, as I grab the information for suicide squad, uh, if I saw the cover, that has word balloons on it. I might have chose that for you. That well, I know your love of word balloons uh, just you know transcends all. Well, I wouldn't say it transcends all, but putting word balloons on a, on the cover of a comic book is something I'm always a sucker for. Right. So while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done uh, in. Together as a team, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, whether it be the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. Uh, If you want even more content from us, you can sign up for our Patreon. Uh, For as little as a dollar a month, you can get two bonus shows a month from Todd and I. One where we discuss uh, the film viewer of comic genius Mel Brooks. The other where we go this day and date. 30 years ago of the month of the previews comic book catalog to see what the comic industry looked like 30 years ago at $5 and up a month. You get not only those two shows two weeks before everyone else, you also get after dark two or three days before everyone else, depending on uh, how quickly the editing process goes. I usually try to 
uh, get that up before we start recording this. So those $5 and up folks get the show in the correct listening order. And also at the end of this very episode that you're going to be listening to and this week's uh, After Dark that'll be going up on the free feed, we're going to have a small tease, a small taste of uh, what we're doing over there on uh, previewing the past. A very interesting litigious story I was unaware of uh, from the most unlikeliest of comics by the unlikeliest of people. Mm -hmm. Dropping some knowledge. Right. And Todd's hanging tough with that. (laughs) That's a reference that he actually gets. Look at that. So next on the list is, uh, okay, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, Uh, Purchase stuff from our store, whether it be shirts or pins or stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more fancy logos on more fancy things, from mugs to throws to cell phone covers to all sorts of things, you could check out our Public store where you can get shirts with our logos on and in color. You can get shirts with the soon-to-be-named Network logo, shirts inspired by dumb things that we've said on this show, shirts that uh, inspired by dumb things we've said and done over on At Odds With Wrestling. All of that's over at our Tee Public store, but another way that you could help us out is by making all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. Does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it a little bit of extra money on the back end that makes Todd happy at the end of the month. Yes, sirree. And uh, I had told Todd that things were looking lean for February, but things have turned around in the last week. Some of the more notable purchases uh, from the Amazon click-through... Somebody purchased a Hasbro Marvel Legends Jean Grey Age of Apocalypse action figure. Somebody purchased the Lego Star Wars Mandalorian Battle Pack uh, that comes with shock troopers and the speeder bike building kit. Somebody purchased a 10-pack of comic top load holders, like, you know, those uh, harder plastic cases that you can get for baseball cards? They have them for comic books now. I was unaware of this. They've had them for the longest time. I'm just catching up, Todd. Well, you know, I'm just letting you know. Uh, Somebody also purchased, uh, on the Funko Pop side of things, a glow-in-the-dark Iron Man Funko Pop from the movie Avengers Endgame. Uh, somebody also purchased from the TV show The Boys, Starlight in Bodysuit, and Homelander, and Homelander Levitating. Gotta have them both. Well, you gotta have your Homelander and Homelander Levitation. It's Levitation, Holmes. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody purchased a pack of Energizer rechargeable AA batteries. I'm sure to go with their DJI Osmo Mobile 3 smartphone gimbal combo kit. Which is, uh, you know, when Todd and I have gone to conventions and we record uh, interviews with creators on our cell phones, we do it just by holding our dopey phones up to it. This is something that makes your smartphone a little bit more professional looking and sounding. Uh, So you don't look like a dope and uh, maybe a little bit of follow up on that next week. It's even better than a handy holder. Everything's better than a handy holder. Wow. Last purchase, though, Todd. And I think... Someone at the props department of Legends of Tomorrow is listening to our show. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Somebody purchased a Carly Judge Colonial Wig Men's Long Wave Beige Wig Washington Halloween Costume Cosplay Wig. Oh, I just like to think the producer's like, we need a wig. Stat, can we get it here in two days? 
what's that show that talks about the wigs? Use their click through. I I thought you were gonna say that the prop department is like, oh, let me call my wig maker. Oh yeah, what's your wig maker's name? His name? It's uh Am. Am Zon Prime. Oh my god. It's gonna take about two days to make the wig. Oh. One day if I go pick it up at this locker at the mall. Oh, or we could drone on and have it delivered that way. <laughs> but uh, that is Todd-level bad joke right there, Joe. I'm doing a golf clap. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yep. I paid your writer this week to write some stuff for me. <laughs> well, how come he does good stuff for you? I think he does good stuff for you, but it's all in your delivery. Oh, like Amazon two-day delivery? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My jokes are funny two days from now. Oh, my goodness. So, hey, Todd, speaking of which, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. Uh, Dave Starr on Twitter sent us, he goes, does furniture count as art? Because this is awesome. And it was a bench that uh, had uh, short boxes that you could put underneath. And then the short boxes had, like, art on the side from, like, I don't know if they used covers or posters and stuff like that but then the top of the bench is covered with a like a collage of comic covers so that definitely falls under the uh art category and also functional as a you know a couch for reading comics and i'll say this every time dave star with three r's tweets at us i my heart skips a beat I'm just worried that because there's a different Dave star out there with a lot less R's at the end of his name and a lot less unfolded T-shirts out there, hopefully, maybe. Oh, is it a five-star Twitter? Eh, it's like two and a half at best. Oh, okay. But uh, also from Matt Turner OF, uh, he has a 2019 New York Comic Con commission uh, from Alex Sanchez on a uh, blank captain america comic cover and that looks pretty cool and they're even holding up the wolf kisses sign to promote it well that's because and again i don't want to disparage uh alex there again he seems like a good enough guy uh that's a really nice art very very ron garney-esque art there right and he's got the hammer of thor so that's kind of cool yep and you could tell um that he did that with like markers, you know what I mean? Like you can almost tell the type of markers he did that with. Right. And that's really cool. Uh, but Alex is wearing a, uh, a pretty despicable shirt in his picture. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Mm, is it an ad odd shirt? No, it's, oh. it's not a youthful, it's a youthful deer shirt. <laughs> oh boy. It's your pals who you'll be doing a book report on if I have my way. <laughs> okay. You know, there was a time where for one of the bets uh, on this show, I was going to make you read the uh, Jim Clarinet, a.k.a. Candy Dots. Right. Candy Dots because he's terrible and only old people like him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, That's not my joke. That's uh, Charlie Butters over on uh, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam Discord, shout out. Um, I was going to make you read his comic book as like one of your punishments, and we were going to come on here and talk about it. Right. I'm glad I never made you do that. More so, I'm glad that I didn't make you buy that thing. There you go. You don't want to have editing problems. Nope. But I, I look at it as I'm a futurist, and I knew. Uh-huh. So I guess I, we'll just have to work on our bets. Uh, loser has to fill up uh, the other person's Dave and Buster gift card or there you go. <laughs> something. 
listen after dark for more about that. Right. So we have TV talk, eh? Is that all before we get into TV talk? I believe so. All right. So if you're not a TV person and haven't watched the latest episodes of Flash, uh, Legend of Tomorrow, or Doctor Who, we bid you adieu. And uh, I'll give you a couple seconds here to go away. And then we're going to get right down to business here talking about those. All right. So uh, I think we're starting with Flash. No, Doctor Who first, Doctor right? Who. Yes. So, uh, Doctor Who, right? Right. So this is the continuation of the Cybermen stuff that we saw from last week's episode. Right. Um, We are taken to a different timeline, a different spot in history. Yes, different time and different planet. Where the Cybermen led by that real cool design of the half-faced Cyberman that I talked about last week. Uh, has led the Cybermen, and they've wiped out pretty much all of the uh, human race. Right, and there have been some that have escaped, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but this is the planet that the coordinates that they found, all the all the gibberish in the room, brought the Doctor, and she's going to help with her companions stop the Cybermen from wiping out this group of, of humans. Does not go well. No, does not go well, but... Um, you know, obviously we're introduced to, you know, a bunch of the survivors and I felt with the number of new characters that were introduced, and this is not anything new, um, that happens on Doctor Who or even on this season of Doctor Who, you know, we're introduced to characters. There was that, that episode earlier in the season where it was like, oh, we're going to take some like Planet of the Apes and some War of the Worlds and all these other like science fictiony pastiches. But we're also going to throw in, like, all these other characters as well. I don't know why in this episode the introduction of all these characters felt, like, too much. Maybe it was because, like, those episodes earlier in the season where it was just, like, these one-offs, because this whole Cybermen thing is such a bigger part of what the overarching storyline is, to not only having to keep all that together plus all these new characters plus the return of the master. Maybe this season could have used an extra episode to help space stuff out. Which is this funny, felt very like, overwhelming to a new Doctor Who fan. Which is funny because like two weeks ago you were like, oh, this could have used, like maybe they could have only told this story in eight episodes or seven episodes. Um, but I get what you're saying, but that's the gist of Doctor Who is like there's going to be a lot of – because basically the Doctor and his companions are meeting a whole new group of people every episode almost, unless it's a two-parter. You know what I mean? Like, And for the most part, other than main characters like Cybermen, which will probably be destroyed and you know there'll be other Cybermen down the line. The Master's the only one you really need to know. And the rest are throwaway characters. They're like refugees other than uh, uh, Jor-El's grandfather who's guarding the gate that apparently there's a gate that all humans are trying to get to because it it opens up and randomizes in spots so they, they can go and hide from the Cybermen and a bunch of people have already gone through and that's where these refugees were from. I really think the only people you're really going to have to know in the end is the guy who's guarding the gate and obviously the master. So. Yeah, right. So, you know, and I, I got no problem when they introduced these peoples in like the one-off episodes. But when these people show up, I'm like, yeah, you're, 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 you're expendable. Yeah, I don't want to waste time. Huh? Yeah, I don't want to waste time with you 
dealing with this much larger problem that's been going on for two or three or four episodes. Get me to our main characters. You give me one or two new characters, a threat, a returning character that maybe you introduced in a previous episode, something like that. Um, it This just... And and I'll be honest with you, I've been very sleepy lately. My sleep schedule is really messed up. Right. So because there was so much going on, I like there was parts of this that I go back and watch like a second time, and I'm like, did I miss something? Mm. Is everything okay? Sure. And by the end of the episode, when the master shows up, and we get the glimpse of Gallifrey, the stakes felt bigger. Right, because now we're going to get maybe the, the, the stuff of the Timeless Child. And I have this weird feeling that the the like, the like the rub is going to be that this portal has been opening to Gallifrey, but early Gallifrey. And we're going to find out that all these refugee humans in the future are the people that go through this portal to an early Gallifrey and they're the people, they're the race that becomes the time Lords, if you know what I mean. And that, that would tick off the master. Cause he's all about being a time Lord where that would explain the doctor's love of earth is like, Oh, I'm really, my descendants are from there. And that would be the thing that changes everything. If you will. I don't know. That's like, it seems like what they're going for. Yeah. But we'll see next week. But I give you props just for watching the episode. You know, you might have forgot. Mm-hmm. There was a lot going on. I know. So, Flash, there wasn't as much going on. Um, we get more about the Mirror Universe, the Mirror World, and the woman who is trapped in the mirror with uh, Iris, uh, Eva, who I assume would be the wife of Mirror Master. Well, she's going to be Mirror Master. Oh, she's going to be the... It's going to be Lady Mirror Master? Right, because they mentioned Sam Scudder in this episode, which was the original Mirror Master before Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then that... I mean, that that Sam Scudder in the comics died during Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then there was another uh, Mirror Master. Actually, Captain Boomerang was Mirror Master in the middle, but I'm not even going to go into that. And then it was Evan... McCulloch was the Scottish guy who was the mirror master. Now her name is Eva, no Anne on it, McCulloch. So I guess we're, we're gender swapping uh mirror master on this. Cause the guy's name, her husband isn't even Evan. It's something mm-hmm. else. Okay. So, but that's and my again, of, dive. Right. And again, of course we don't get the full cast. You know, we, it's been established as Todd reminded me that Cisco is off doing whatever and no Caitlin in this episode, but it's a very Ralph heavy episode. Right. Because always- we were introduced to the, I would assume if you're a comic book person, the future Sue Dibney. Right. Cat- in a moonlighting esque will they, won't they, they hate each other and then they pretend to love each other. And then they hate each other. And then if this gets over, maybe she'll come back next season as a love interest. Right. All the while being Catwoman. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that. Like, I'm not as up on uh, she, her her backstory or whatever it is in the comic books. 
Basically, Sue Dibney was it was a rich person who fell in love with a you know a commoner, Ralph Dibney. And her thing was she was really smart. And they actually explained that she was almost maybe as a good detective as Ralph. Maybe better. You know what I mean? But that was her thing. And she was just she was just a normal person who was really smart. And when they went to Justice League Europe, she ended up running like things. Like she I don't remember if she did the budget or whatever. Like that was her thing. She's like, I'm around. I'm I'm married to Ralph, but there's things that I can do here. She was never like and like the martial artist or any of that other stuff. She was just a normal person. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, maybe we didn't need to add all this. But I did like when she said, "Oh, when I was stuck in an embassy in France, Paris, France." I was like, "Ha ha!" I remember that. You know, that's a nod to her from Just the Europe. But otherwise, I'm like. I'm not a big fan and it's the whole expectation swerve because I know the comics and that Ralph and Sue get together that the only, the only reason of her turning on Ralph at the end is to swerve expectation to the longtime comic reader. And it almost means nothing to somebody who's watching the show who never read the comics, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I don't know. So here's the thing that tripped me up. The choice of their actress to play Sue Right. Fine actress, played the part, read the lines, did everything that they needed her to do. She is, and again, it's not like this is like secret information. Uh, she is a woman of, in her early 30s. She looked like a little kid. Yes, yeah, she did. She looked she, very young. She looked way younger than the rest of the cast. And I'm like, why is this little kid? Do-? I'm like, oh, no, that's like an adult woman. Right. And it just kept tripping me up, man. Well, that's how people look at you and your young-looking wife, Joe. Listen, I, I, I get it now. I, it's been almost 20 years, and I finally understand. Right. But, no, I get it. And, like I said, so that was a, a, a little weird, like I said. But, like you said, I thought she did good reading the lines until she turned out to just pretty much be Catwoman. So, I don't know. But also, what did we, uh, we also had the storyline with... Uh, like you said, with Iris in the mirror, and I, you say universe. I want to set this very straight. It's not a universe because all the other universes were destroyed. There's multiple universes. Now it's a dimension or a realm, the mirror world. So they, they specified that because I always remembered after uh, Christ on Infinite Earth, they were like, oh, is it the mirror universe? Like, no, we can't say universe because all the other universes died. So they always use these weird, like, when they couldn't say zombie in comics because of the comics code, they would say Zuvembi and stuff like that. It's a way to get around universes. Just you know, to- Todd, there's always an inlet or a fjord. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, so that's their way. And then in the end, we get uh, Wells is seeing Wells's. So we'll see where that goes. Like, that's right. the most intriguing thing to me right now. Yeah, and that we're getting just enough. Mm-hmm. Like, one scene, like, seconds mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, it's another weird thing in this TV show entitled The Flash. Very little interesting Flash stuff going on. And I don't mind that occasionally. Yeah. But it just seems like like he's becoming a smaller player in his own show over the over over this season. Which is weird because like we only have four episodes left and we already have the big bad of the anti monitor and blood work. So like we really we're rudderless in the second half of the of the season. Yeah. But you know there is one more show, Joe. There is one more show, Todd, and that is uh Legends of Tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know when the season was getting ready to begin, we would always look at some of the episode titles and have a good chuckle, but I would never read what the episode was about. Right. And I would purposely not look at, like, pictures so nothing was spoiled on me. So in this episode, our main storyline is uh, Sarah leaves for no real reason. Uh, just so that we can have, like, I don't know, more Ava time or something, and puts Ava in charge of the mission to go after the next latest encore, which is Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Ma- Marie Antoinette, lovingly played by the <laughs> same actress who plays Nora DeHark. Right. Now, With I a- say this lovingly portrayed, and they even do, like, a little nod and a little hey-hey about it in the episode itself. Right. While Nora DeHark is off doing her uh, blue fairy good deeds. Mm-hmm. And I also say this in the most loving and respectful way I possibly can, Todd. Right. Unless this is paying off somewhere else down the road. They they couldn't, like, they just let her kind of go out there and do whatever she wanted, right? Right. There was no direction. Doesn't List. seem like she had a script. She doesn't seem like they took more than one take on any of her time as Marie Antoinette. She went to the WWE Lana School of Accents. You know, you say that, and I was similarly, I was in a similar situation during one of her heavy speaking roles, having to explain to my wife, no, no, this is Legends of Tomorrow. This is not the Otis Mandy Rose subplot on SmackDown I enjoy so much. Right. Which you also walked in on me watching. And I had to explain that as well to her just walking away in utter disgust. Right. But, yeah, I was... And then there was, like, I like the little joke with... Uh, they're like, oh, well, we'll put the head because her head falls off because she was at the guillotine but survived because she's an encore. Um, and they're all like, oh, well, we'll separate the head and the body. And Ray's like, I'll take the, I'll take the head. And there's a great moment where Nate, Nate's just like, I'll do it. Don't be creepy, Ray. Don't be creepy. And I'm like, wow, like just great joke. Um, and then there's a subplot with uh, Mick realizing that he's in love from the the reunion episode last week. And they're like, I have this weird feeling. I can't eat. I can't drink. And Mick not being able to eat is or drink is like, oh my god, the world's ending. And he's like, I think you're in love. And he's like. Love, is that like when it hurts when you whiz? <laughs> like, no, no, no. Mick was killing me over a small part. But in the end, the the best, best part of the show is Ava, who's coming into her own on this show, working with uh, Zari to, uh, you know, because she's the new, she's the, the post-crisis Zari, who's different, um, working together and how they're a mismatched couple. And I'm just going to say, if they don't make figures and uh, pops and Funkos and shirts of her maybe fiance DJ s'more money, Joe, they're leaving a ton of s'more money on the table. So when they said his name earlier in the episode, right? I'm like, Oh, okay. That's just like some sort of whatever. Right. Some I sort laughed. Of, yep. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, that's a funny name. Right. Right. You know, there's your DJ Khalid's and your, Skrillexes. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm sure it's some sort of playoff of that, right? Right. Little did I know, he's essentially a, like, amusement park mascot whose head is a giant 
washing machine size s'more with dollar signs on it for eyes yes um but the thing is joe there is like there is two djs i don't know if it's skrillex or somebody else that have these giant orbs on their head and that's the new thing like that was the popular thing so he's a take off that in basically a staying alive you know white suit or whatever so that's that's the joke i don't know if you if you get that you know it's probably not Skrillex. It's probably somebody else, but... Yeah, it's someone I'm not aware of. Right. It's not Skrillex, as I look it up. But I'm glad they kept whatever money they saved on buying their wigs through our Amazon click-through. Right. To design and create the DJ S'more Money look and aesthetic. And if they wanted to do a spinoff show with that character, I'm okay with that, too. That's right. Don't leave the money on the counter like they did with uh, what was the big, the big the stuffed animal that they had, Joe? Bebo. Bebo. Like now you have Bebo and DJ S'more Money hanging out together. There, there's your show, Joe. The, there's the money maker. The creative services department at Legend of Tomorrow deserve a raise. Mm-hmm. I know they've taken all the money they can out of the wig and hat budget. Right. But I think they could find money somewhere to give those people a raise. Right. And Joe, uh, in your opinion, uh, which is better, the Aloha method or the dentist system? Because <laughs> they are competing things in my mind. And I lean towards the dentist system, but I really like the Aloha method because in this episode, I did like this episode because it was one of those where it was a quirky episode where everything worked out. Like the Aloha method turned out to be the way they finished like the story, but also like the perfume that Zari had made you not be able to smell. So you weren't affected by the magical perfume. I'm like, this is one of those little episodes where everything is perfect because each thing affects something else. Um, and also we had a whole thing and I know you don't care about, but I love with John Constantine, uh, with it, with Astra, which is from the Constantine TV show. We're getting answers to, and I like that just as much as I love the other stuff because I love that show. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and you bring up a good point. Like, I think that's my disconnect with the Constantine stuff is because I didn't watch the Constantine TV show right. and they are trying to weave it into the ongoing legends of tomorrow stuff. But because I didn't watch the TV show, I'm like, okay, let's get to the people that I've been watching the TV show of a while. I wish John was doing more stuff with them, but I get it. We did get a flashback scene of John wearing a very bad Mohawk wig. Oh, that makes me actually think because the one cool thing was that they ended up playing the song when he was in Mucus Membrane, the the bad punk band that he was in, which was actually in the comic. And it made me uh, look up something that I thought didn't exist, but it did. Or something that did exist, but then when I was looking for it, I thought it didn't, was... Jamie Delano wrote uh, a mucus membrane song for uh, Hellblazer Annual and just did the lyrics. Then there was this this cheesy band called Spider Legs that put the song to music. And even though they were American, they ended up singing it in a British accent and it became like the mucus membrane song. And I found the video online of them playing it. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, so that made me, cause, but it's not the same song that's in the, 
the Legends of Tomorrow. Like, that's how deep my Hellblazer knowledge is. I'm like, is that the song from Annual One? No, it's not. Darn. <laughs> so that's why I like it. But I have a deep history with the Hellblazer comic, too. Sure. I get you. I do. So. But all around great episode. Yes. Like they, you 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 brought up a good a good point, a great point that this episode of Legend of Tomorrow was perfect because of how everything flowed into itself and into each other. But you could certainly you know watch this episode in a bubble and I think get an entertaining episode. Like yes, you have to watch the little thing at the beginning where they kind of recap uh mixed romance with the the high school sweetheart sort of thing. Right. But outside of that, like, Legend Tomorrow, like, this is a, a great episode. Mm-hmm. It is on a full, like, up trajectory on the stories lately. Absolutely. So, so if you're not watching Legend Tomorrow, then I don't know, you suck. <laughs> yeah. DJ S'more won't come to your party. S'more money. Yeah, S'more money. All right, everybody, thank you very much for listening. I think that covers everything in a giant week of stuff. Hopefully everyone behaves at C2E2, right? Yes, I I hope so, too. No coronavirus outbreaks. Hopefully Dan's picture is passed along to all security. <laughs> no issues or concerns there. We know the the Rob won't be there as a as a as a attendee. He'll be a guest if that happens. Mm-hmm. So I want that Mark picture of Rob and uh, Dan together doing the Mega Powers handshake. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what that is, and I want it. Yeah. You do want it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to episode 491, Longbox Heroes, in the books. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. And uh, my thing here, Revolutionary Comics, which we had Tipper Gore's comics and stories. But now, the Rock and Roll Comics, which we discussed, I think, last preview. The Rock and Roll Comics number 12 featured the new kids on the block with the history of teen rock stars, which this turned out to be a very famous issue, Joe. Okay. Um, because this was the issue. Um, I look, I re- I was like, I remember what was it about the new kids on the block? Cause I collected some of the rock and roll ones. And there's this, this company and the guy's name who was the, the basically publisher. And he wrote a lot of them. His name was Todd Lauren. And he ended up writing the first rock and roll comics. And it was guns and roses and guns and roses gave him a cease and desist order. And everybody heard about it. And this was kind of like, you know, there was some speculation in this day, too. So everybody scooped up this comic because they thought Guns N' Roses was going to have them shut down. So literally, they ran out of their 10,000-issue print run in two weeks for a little dinky independent, which put Rock and Roll Comics on the map. So then they started doing more and like, like a couple issues, like two through seven and then eight skid row gave them a cease and desist order. And they actually pulled that issue. So they never did an issue eight with skid row, but then they get to 12 with uh new kids on the block. And that's when they really get into litigation. Like the group that w- that was running them uh, like whoever had their, 
their 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 copyright was like we have the rights to all their stuff you don't get to do anything so the guy todd lauren set up literally set up a 900 number to fund his like uh his litigation it was like and it was called the nuke the new kids to raise money for his defense and in 1990 it was ten dollars a phone call billed to your to your phone bill but he ended up winning the judgment because the judge said like hey new kids on the block you have no right to like how come it there's a book out there of you know an unauthorized biography and nobody ever goes after them uh, in the bookstore, but because it's a comic, you're going after them. They have the right to do it just as a book does. And then New Kids on the Block was like, all right, all right, but we have a copyrighted uh, thing. You're doing trademark infringement on our logo. So in the end, they had to reprint the comic without the New Kids on the uh, Block logo, but they could get away with everything else. And they ended up doing another 50 issues. And at one point, the Metallica issue was so popular it had a print run of seventy five thousand copies from like a dinky little independent company sure that was fantastic they even ended up had a finding because they were getting sued had to find like different outlets from just like diamond and stuff so they ended up getting into like record stores they were sold at record stores and just just took off and of of the 65 issues uh two weren't, weren't made it was yes and skid row which I find fascinating because they were pulled because of injunctions. But uh, other than that, there was a lot of issues. There was an AC DC issue and an Alice Cooper one that I had that I don't think I have anymore. Uh, but they did they did a bunch of the big the big time names, man, and they sold like hotcakes. Do you remember revolutionary comics with the rock and roll comics at all, Joe? So I do remember the rock and roll comics, of course, but I remember them being more so sold, as you mentioned, on newsstands and in record stores as opposed to the comic books. I never knew any of that shit about the litigation, you know? Yeah, it's fascinating. And I was like, and the only, the only reason this, all this, like doing the studying for this jogged my memory. Cause I remember it was the new, cause it, that's the one that stands out to me. Like of the people that are in the, the rock and roll the, that they, that they took on. I mean, they even did people like ice T and NWA and ice cube, but it was, I find it of all the ones that are like the renegades, new kids on the block attack. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, interesting story though, to me anyway. Yes, sir. And that, like I said, I, I never knew any of that. That's really cool stuff. So, page 48, 3D Zone has two different books. Uh, You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network. 